Welcome to the brand new Patriots and Pinstripes podcast, the official podcast of the New York Yankees AA affiliate Somerset Patriots. And the Patriots have won it! Somerset! My name is Mark Schwartz. On this show, I'll cover all things Somerset Patriots and New York Yankees, from the organizational structure all the way down to the prospects, the AA Northeast League, and everything in between. A pleasant hello and welcome to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. My name is Mark Schwartz and as always I'm joined alongside Brandon Pelter for another exciting episode as we get ready for a new week and a new series between the Somerset Patriots and the incoming AA affiliate of the Philadelphia Phillies, the Reading Fightin' Phils. But before we get into all of that, Brandon, most important question of the day. How are you doing? I'm doing well, partner. Uh, coming off a really nice Memorial Day, and uh, we've got some beautiful weather at the ballpark here today. Should be great tomorrow. A little iffy Thursday, but uh, we've got more baseball ahead, so looking forward to it. Oh, how was your Memorial Day weekend? Very nice. Very nice to uh, get to spend some time with, uh, with the family and reflect and enjoy and appreciate the day. Well, we have a lot in store for this week's episode. Of course, we will get into the upcoming series against the Reading Fightin' Phils, but a lot to recap as well from this last week against the New Hampshire Fisher Cats, including the first rehab assignment in Somerset Patriots history. Zach Britton was here in Somerset making a start against New Hampshire. We have his entire press conference as well on this week's episode, so let's get into it. Who wants to play baseball? Let's go! Yes, sir! Well, it was a week, Brandon, that was marred a little bit by inclement weather. Uh, We wound up having, ultimately, three games affected due to rain. Two were postponed into a pair of doubleheaders. One was outright canceled. Overall, the Somerset Patriots, who had dropped four of six against the New Hampshire Fisher Cats the first time these two teams went up against each other earlier in May... The Patriots wound up taking three of five. We didn't have a full series this past week uh, here at TD Bank Ballpark because of the rain, but still three of five for the Patriots. Where would you like to start? What stood out to you? Um, You know, really one of the headlines from this past week. I guess the the most logical place for me to start is the bounce back that we saw from Somerset in both of the doubleheaders playing two on Thursday and then two on Saturday. They dropped game one, and in both of those games, they battled back and played a very different uh, game two. We saw on Thursday a wild (laughs) first contest that went 11 innings, was slated for seven. It was four hours and seven minutes, and uh, Somerset ended up dropping that game 10 to eight, and then... After a 9.16 p.m. first pitch, uh, the Patriots put together a really solid game, too, that they won 2-1, to one, a very different look to that. And Luis Heal went six innings. He qualified for the first time for a win and got his first win. He looked really good, allowing just a run in the Patriots with a couple of late runs to seal that victory for Heal. Well, let's key in on that first game of that doubleheader on Thursday because that was... Probably the wackiest game we've seen so far this season, uh, and I'm sure that we're going to be um, coming back to that game a number of times throughout the rest of this season. As you mentioned, a 10-8 game. It was supposed to go 7 in game 1 of that doubleheader. It wound up going 11, and 
to start that ball game, Brandon, uh, the Fisher Cats got two runs in the top of the first. The Patriots brought 10 batters to the plate in the bottom of the first inning, scored four runs. And I think both of us, you might have mentioned it on the air that night. Um, it was only a two-run game, but it felt like it was a lot bigger mm-hmm. of, a, of a difference between the two teams. And then all of a sudden, with uh, two outs and two strikes and two men on in the top of the seventh inning, LJ Talley slapped a double just past the diving glove of Matt Pita in left field, and then all hell broke loose. Yeah, it, it really, like you said, I mean, for those middle frames from the second through the sixth, it was relatively quiet. The Fisher Cats only had four uh, four hits in those middle frames. They did get some base runners on, but they just really couldn't do a whole lot. And as you said, everything absolutely changed once we got into the seventh. Uh, we got two runs from New Hampshire there. Then in the eighth, both teams had the bases loaded up with uh, one out or even less. The Patriots had them loaded with no outs, could not score any runs. Then New Hampshire scores three in the ninth. We thought, okay, that that's probably it, and we'll look forward to game two. Not so fast. Somerset with back-to-back homers from Oswaldo Cabrera. Michael Beltre in the 10th, they score a run apiece. And then in the 11th, finally, New Hampshire with two. The Patriots could not respond. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> we were... We were thrown for a loop enough in the bottom of the eighth inning when the Patriots had the bases loaded and nobody out and uh, did not score. And then, you know, there's that feeling in extra innings sometimes if a team gets a couple of runs, like, okay, that's mm-hmm. that that might be it. And the Fisher Cats had three runs in the top of the ninth. But we both felt that, like, odd gravity in the air that night. Right. And, uh, and lo and behold, the Patriots, as you mentioned, those two home runs and uh, Cabrera two-run shot, the Beltre home run to tie it up. But that wasn't even the end of the craziness. I mean, in the 10th inning, there was a sack fly that was hit to foul territory down the first baseline that Dermis uh, Dermis Garcia made a catch over the Patriots' dugout railing and Demi Oramaloye tagged up from third and then a double steal with Garcia scoring from third in the home half of the 10th inning. Uh, eventually it settled down a little bit with the Fisher Cats, um, you know, scoring two runs in the top of the 11th and, and winning that ball game 10 to 8. But as you mentioned, it was that bounce back from the Patriots in that next game, uh, much more of a pitcher's duel. And it, and it's always, I guess, a little easier to bounce back when you have a talented starting pitcher like Luis Hill on the mound. Absolutely. That makes life a little easier. It was a very different feel to that game. Patriots pitchers held the Fisher Cats to just one run on uh, two hits. And, and so, like I said, very different feel. It was much quicker ball game at an hour 56. I mean, it's, uh, it's certainly hard to be any longer than four hours and seven minutes <laughs> when you're slated to play just seven. Uh, but the Patriots really uh, did a nice job of kind of responding. And they were down going into the sixth inning of that game. They were down one to nothing. And they got two big hits back-to-back, uh, Jason Lopez uh, reaching on the walk, and then uh, Oliver Dunn with an RBI single, Aaron Polensky later followed that up with an infield single as well. That was the go-ahead run. Well, looking at this Patriots team, you know, we've keyed in a lot this season on some of the bigger names. Esteban Florial had that <clears throat> big first week. We talked about Dermis Garcia, you know, a lot, and the week that he put together in Hartford, also the week that Michael Beltre put together. Uh, but there's been names and contributors on the bottom part of this Patriots lineup, and and that even extended into the uh, the later games of this series as well. Looking at contributions, you know, specifically from Oliver Dunn, Isaiah Gilliam had a home run in Game One of the doubleheader on Saturday. 
Uh, Matt Pita had a four RBI performance. What have you seen from really the bottom portion of this Patriots lineup? Yeah, especially when we look at game two of Saturday's doubleheader, the uh, final three batters in the Patriots order collected six of the team's 10 hits. They all had uh, two hits in the contest. That was Matt Pita, Max Burt, and Aaron Polensky. I think offensively, we've seen a little more of a balanced approach when it comes to contributors. We have, uh, you know, to start the season, Estevan Florial, who uh, who really got things started the first week and a half while he was here. But even Thomas Malone, who maybe batted in the six or seven spot there of uh, of the very first game of the season, delivering that three-run homer in the bottom of the first inning, we've seen. You know, more of that balanced approach as Dermis Garcia got really hot the last couple weeks. That kind of picked things up in the middle of the lineup and, and set them, uh, getting them started. But really, in especially the big offensive performances, it's come one through nine. Well, you know, the, uh, the Patriots, as a part of that game two of Saturday's doubleheader, a seven-run bottom of the first inning. They had six hits in that inning. Uh, the seven runs were the most for a single inning this season. The six hits were also the most for a single inning this season. They also drew four walks, which to my estimation, we didn't have it really calculated, but I believe that's tied for the most walks that they've had in a single inning so far this season as well. They brought 13 batters to the plate, uh, and that game was pretty much in control from the get-go. Somerset, a 12 nothing win in Game 2 of Saturday's doubleheader. Uh, that win was their largest margin of victory uh, overall this season. So in this Fisher Cat series, the Patriots taking three of five. Uh, the game on Wednesday night was postponed, made it a doubleheader Thursday. The game on Friday night was postponed, made it a doubleheader on a Saturday. And the Sunday's game was outright canceled uh, with no... Uh, rescheduling because these two teams, oddly enough, don't play each other for the rest of the season. The schedule between those two teams uh, has now concluded. Before we move on to the next series, I do want to key in a little bit on the pitching side of things as well. Uh, there was one big name, uh, which we will get to, but before we do, uh, another promising week from starting pitchers. Uh, Luis Heal, we've already talked about. Jansen Junk, on uh, the first game of this series, all the way back on Tuesday night, performed really well. Matt Crook had a good outing. Glenn Otto struck out seven. What did you see from the starting pitchers this week? They, they've stayed consistent with what they usually tend to do, and it's been fun to see that uh, leash kind of loosen up a little bit, getting some more pitches. Already mentioned Louise Heal going six innings. Junk actually stayed kind of down. He was only at 68 pitches through four innings, Crook kind of got chased early there after he got a stinger right back up the middle that caught him on the back of the foot. But uh, but I think all in all, they continue to stay consistent. The Patriots pitching in general continues to lead the league or toward the top in uh, all of AA in so many different categories. We've known they're the strength. I think they will continue to be the strength. And relief pitching also shined for the Patriots this week. Michael Gomez in Game 2 of Saturday's doubleheader. Two perfect innings of relief. He struck out five. Reed Anderson struck out four over two scoreless innings of relief that night as well. Uh, but I do want to go once again back to the first game of the series, J.P. Sears, and the performance that he had, a record-setting performance out of the bullpen for the Patriots that Tuesday night. Yeah, he, he looked phenomenal. He was hard to hit through four and two-thirds innings in relief. Gave up four hits, just one run, no walks, and eight strikeouts, and he had an opportunity 
to close out the ball game. Um, he he ended up getting chased for Greg Weissert, who came on to get that final out, but uh, an exceptional effort. And we've seen from Julio Mascara, he does not shy away from that long reliever coming in. He really likes that. It seems as if that he, he enjoys having that bridge guy that's not just going to give you an inning, but two, three, sometimes even four plus. It, that has not been really a rarity, even starting with Ron Marinaccio in the first night of the season coming out for uh, multiple innings of work. So it seems like Julio likes to have a pitcher that's going to give him length and get it to maybe one final reliever. In most of the games, the Patriots have only used three out of the pen. Well, it, even for Marinaccio in game one of the doubleheader on, um, uh, what was that, on Thursday, after Glen Otto worked four and two-thirds, it was Ron who came on and two innings of relief, and he carried that lead for the Patriots into the seventh inning and was ultimately chased on that tally double that we mentioned earlier. So certainly some long relievers getting opportunities for the Patriots. But the last guy uh, that we need to discuss is the first man to make a rehab assignment with the Somerset Patriots. It came in game one of Saturday's doubleheader. It was a two-time American League All-Star. So a pretty good name to start out rehab assignments in Somerset Patriots history. It was Zach Britton. What did you see out of Britton? Yeah, it it was pretty fun um, because while the weather was not great and it was kind of a chilly night, you still got that feel and that aura in the ballpark that it was a little different and even watching the crowd gather down the right field line toward the bullpen and as Britton walked in from the pen seeing them all walking right with him stop, uh, stride and step for step down the lower concourse was something that we haven't seen in these first couple weeks and I don't know really that many people in this ballpark's history have had that kind of impact on a crowd so that was really cool we only saw him go an inning Gave up one hit, uh, no runs, 18 pitches in total. Induced a lot of weak contact. All four batters ended up uh, beating balls into the ground. And uh, a pretty good start in his road to recovery. We do expect to see him a few more times this week. Yeah, he uh, he had mentioned after the game that uh, there's still some things that he needs to work on. He wasn't entirely pleased with his performance, but that's what rehab assignments are for. He's working out the kinks, getting rid of some of those cobwebs, and uh, eventually for Britain, getting ready for his uh, his call back up to the Bronx. Well, fortunately for our listeners, we do have the entire press conference that Zach Britton gave uh, right after his rehab assignment was done on Saturday. So after this break, we'll take a listen to see what Britton had to say on his first start back uh, with the Somerset Patriots. Neshanik Valley Golf Course is a 27-hole championship course located in Neshanik Station. Hit the links at one of New Jersey's top five ranked public courses that hosted numerous amateur championships and also features a nine-hole academy course, Callaway Golf Performance Center, and the Learning Center. Open all year except New Year's Day and Christmas. Visit NeshanikValleyGolf.com for more information or to book your next tee time. At RWJ Barnabas Health, we have a passion for heart health. With the largest adult and pediatric cardiac surgery programs in the state, a heart transplant program that's top 15 in the nation, a partnership with Rutgers Health, the latest technology and medical advancements and nationally renowned care for every heart in every one of our communities. Whoever your heart beats for, our hearts beat for you. Let's be healthy together. 
visit rwjbh.org heart. First up, we'll do Brendan Cuddy. So go ahead, Brendan. Hey, Zach. So how'd that go? No, overall, you know, it was pretty good. Um, you know, obviously not sh- sharp where I want to be, but very similar to maybe my first in, in spring. Uh, but arm feels good. Excited to get out there. Obviously, with uh, with fans, haven't pitched in front of fans in, you know, a whole year or so. Just getting used to everything, you know, getting on the mound again, facing a different jersey, things like that. Um, so looking forward to polishing, you know, all my pitches up as I move forward in the rehab. And what's something or what's the hurdle you need to clear before you feel like you're ready to get back here? You know, I think there's a few, you know, when you're going through spring training, you know, you're looking at, um, you know, getting a good feel for your pitches, commanding the ball. Um, and then, then you big, you build arm speed and velocity and things like that. I think for me uh, right now, it's going to be just polishing up, you know, the, definitely the command of my sinker um, and not getting out of whack as much of my delivery as I am right now. And there's definitely times during the year where maybe you have a little hiccup in your delivery, but right now I feel, you know, pretty raw and I just need to get that tuned up. And it's not anything I haven't done before, obviously. Uh, it's just, you know, a few more times off the mound. I think that'll just naturally come. Next up, Mike Ashmore. Go ahead, Mike. Hey, Zach. What have they told you about the uh, the plan here moving forward with how many of these outings you think you might need? You know, I think that's kind of a moving target. I think, you know, in spring, inning-wise, it'd be anywhere from 7 to 10. Um, I don't think I'll, I'll need that much here, but uh, a lot of it will determine. I think the next couple outings, I'll have a really good understanding of what I really need. You know, it's hard after the first one, but I think two, three, four innings in, I think I'll have a really good idea of, you know, when I'll be back um, after that. So right now, I'm probably a little too hard to say, but um, when I come into New York tomorrow, do my rehab, I, I'll talk uh, to Mike Shuck and we'll go over the next, uh, the next step of the schedule. I think we would just want to see how I responded um, after this outing. Yes, you physically feel okay, and it was a little bit uh, chillier out there. You might like as well. You physically feel fine. That's All right. Yeah, I would have loved it to be a little warmer, but, you know, I, I feel great. So I responded well when it was cold, and I think that's a really good sign going forward. All right, Eli, you have the next question. Go ahead, Eli. Zach, did this outing today with the minor league Patriots make you reminisce? Um, at all about your time in the minor leagues and are there any stories you want to share about that? Yeah, definitely. Anytime you come down uh, to the minors, you remember, you know, the grind and the work that you put in to get to the big leagues, you know, and so I look at the guys and I know that they're going through the same thing up in there. Um, and it can be a grind, you know, going every day playing the minors and travel and things like that. And just wanting to get an opportunity to play in the big leagues, you know, for those guys. So, um, you know, I have a lot of stories, you know, it probably take too long to go through, but just, um, Every time I come down and remember, you know, how much of a grind it was and uh, how much work you put in to get, just get an opportunity in the big leagues. And I know that's what those guys are down here fighting for is just a chance to show that they can be big leaguers. So just cheer, cheering them on while I'm here. And, then, you know, if they got any questions, answering those questions and, and trying to, you know, set a good example. Do you treat them to a minor league spread on a day like today? Yeah, definitely. I think anytime I come down, I'll do something like that. Uh, just a way uh, to kind of pay it back, I guess. Uh, guys did that to me when I was in the minors when a major league guy would come down. So I'll make sure I take care of these guys. Christy Ackert, go ahead, Christy. Hey, Zach. Aaron was saying that you're not going to do back-to-back in the minor leagues. Um, just 
what are your thoughts on that? You don't feel like you need to, to bounce back and do two, two appearances back to back? Not at this stage of my career. I don't think it's, it's as important as just getting the innings in and feeling um, that I'm riding my delivery and the pitches are where they need to be. Um, you know, that stuff, when you're physically in a good spot, you can do back-to-back. You can go three days in a row. The more that I've, you know, pitched as a reliever, the more I kind of understand that it, you don't really need to go out there and do it. I've done it, you know, plenty in my career. If I'm physically where I need to be, you know, that I'll be fine. I'll be fine to do that. And, you know, I don't think if you look at the, the way that we've used relievers, I mean, we've been very protective in the big leagues about how we use them. So I think that kind of goes into some of that thinking as well. Mike Ashmore, go ahead, Mike. How much of the process down here is kind of building up veto a little bit as it goes? Yeah, that's definitely a part of it. You know, getting my velocity as close to, to where I, I can get it. And, you know, when I come back to New York, you know, there's definitely different stages in spring training. The first outing, uh, the second outing, and then there's gradual buildups. Um, even when I was younger and, you know, throwing the hardest, um, it's just a gradual buildup. But, um, you know, I feel good. I feel like uh, there's room in there for me to – to throw harder. It's just about getting my body in the right place to do that. I think when I was younger, I just come out throwing as hard as I can at all times. Now I understand that, uh, you know, getting a feel for your delivery is more important than throwing hard at this stage for me. All right. Connor Foley, you're next. Zach, when you threw in Scranton the other day, you seemed to be in really good spirits after the outing. Were you surprised that the soreness popped up? Yeah, I was really sore. I felt, uh, honestly, I felt absolutely outstanding, you know, no, no issues whatsoever. The soreness that I had was actually something that Dr. Mott had brought up right after surgery. He was expecting me to have that kind of soreness and I just never had it until after that sim game. So it wasn't anything unexpected. It was just the timing of it was a little bit later than maybe we thought. And as soon as we addressed it, um, you know, it went away and I feel great again. So just a part of the process, you know, surgeries are always a little tricky and you never really know what you're going to get. But this was definitely something that he had talked to me about, that soreness, um, you know, right where he went in to do the scope. Um, so that, you know, that was nice, obviously, that he knew that that was something that's part of the, the surgery, that's part of the process. But I feel good now. The Patriots and Pinstripes podcast is brought to you by TD Bank. TD Bank is changing the game with curbside debit card replacement. Whether your debit card was lost in the couch or chewed up by your dog, we've got you covered. Just order a new debit card through the TD Bank app. Then you can walk, bike, or drive up to your nearby TD Bank to score your new card. Now that's the MVP treatment. TD Bank, proud sponsor of the Somerset Patriots. Member FDIC, TD Bank, N.A. Curbside pickup is only available for personal debit card replacements. The Patriots and Pinstripes podcast is brought to you by Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey. In uncertain times, you need someone who has your back. That's why Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey makes sure their health plans have all the benefits you need. Telemedicine, mental health services, and more. Because everyone should feel like someone has their back. And welcome back to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. It's now time to look forward to this upcoming six-game series between the Somerset Patriots and the Reading Fightin' Phils, of course, beginning tonight at TD Bank Ballpark. Mark Schwartz alongside Brandon Pelter here. Brandon, we are looking at a Reading team coming into uh, Central New Jersey starting tonight. 
And uh, it has not been the easiest road for the Fightin' Phils to begin this season. Uh, overall, the team off to a tough start when looking at the AA Northeast League standings. A 4-20 and record for the Fightin' Phils. That is the lowest overall record of any team in the entire AA Northeast League. Uh, when looking at the Northeast Division, they are 12 and a half games behind the first place Somerset Patriots. So what have you found out uh, to start things off about this Reading squad? Yeah, I think to say it's been a tough start might be a little bit of an understatement. You mentioned 4-20. and 20. They've lost three straight, nine of their last ten. And uh, another record number that jumps off the page for me, they are just 1-11 and 11 on the road. So the Patriots, maybe a good opportunity to rack up some wins like we saw them do uh, after sweeping the Hartford Yard Goats. It has been a uh, rough stretch for the Fighting Phils. They're hitting just 199 as a team that's third uh, to last in all of AA. Their 676 team ERA is dead last in all AA. When you put those uh, side by side, it uh, it is not going to help you win a whole lot of ball games. Some of the names to look out for, um, Rodolfo Duran, not sure that we'll see him. He's been on the injured list since May 14th, but he is one of the top Phillies prospects. And uh, Duran, a catcher, has a uh, working through a left hamstring strain. So I think there is potential that we see him, although we certainly could go the, the whole week without seeing him. He uh, was a an international um, signed player in the 2014-15 period, and uh, he really stands out as a defensive catcher, has a really good arm and pop time to try and limit this Patriots team um, that has been very aggressive, one of the most uh, in terms of stolen base numbers across all of Double A. Offensively, he's pretty aggressive and makes some good contact, doesn't strike out a whole lot, doesn't walk a lot either, but again, he currently does sit on the injured list. The big name that you will see, and he is, uh, as of right now, projected to start on Friday night is Francisco Morales. MLB Pipeline lists him as the third-ranked Phillies prospect, Baseball America the fourth, but he was the uh, top signed uh, player internationally in 2016 he was really one of the top pitchers in that class and uh and really will stand out for these red and fighting fills he worked on his change up in strength a good bit during the uh, downtime in 2020 and that is really the pitch that will separate him and be the determining factor whether he can be a starter going forward or uh, if he will have to kind of change over to the bullpen, but we'll see a fastball and a slider with that as well. Yeah, it's been a, a difficult start for Morales and a difficult start for all of the Reading fighting Phils. He's 0-4 on the season with a 14.66 earned run average. He's made five starts so far this season. He's allowed 22 runs, 19 earned runs over just 11 and two-thirds innings. Uh, but certainly high accolades for Morales. He had a 3.82 ERA across 27 appearances with, at the time, the Lakewood Blue Claws, uh, who were the low-A affiliate of the Philadelphia Phillies in 2019. Of course, they're now the Jersey Shore Blue Claws and are now the high-A affiliate of the Philadelphia Phillies. So we will see Morales this week. Another name that we're going to see, Brandon, is Mark Appel. Now, he hasn't made too many waves yet, over his professional baseball career. But, I mean, you know, he was a former first overall draft pick by the Houston Astros back in 2013, was eventually traded uh, from the Houston Astros organization 
to the Philadelphia Phillies organization in a deal that uh, surrounded Ken Giles um, going from Philadelphia to Houston. That was the big name. Uh, and there was a number of other names, including Vincent Velasquez, that went from Houston over to Philadelphia. But uh, it hasn't been the start of this, really the start of the career that Appel has been looking for with such high accolades. Absolutely. And we have not seen him pitch in the affiliated ranks since 2017 when he uh, last left the Phillies organization in uh, 2017, played for uh, the uh, GCL Phillies and then was with Lehigh Valley at AAA and uh, threw 82 innings pitched in 17 starts there in AAA, continued that struggle with an ERA north of five. So looking to get things back in check, although... Through uh, four appearances this season, it is near eight. So uh, for him, it has not been the start that uh, that he was looking for either. Although, uh, you know, you got to tip your cap to him, trying to reinvigorate the career, keep things going. Obviously, had so much potential um, at one point, and is uh, is trying to get back there. Well, as we look now towards the Somerset Patriots side of this upcoming series, uh, one of the names that or that I want to talk about that kind of stands out a little bit is actually scheduled to be tonight's starting pitcher for the Patriots, making his first start of the season for Somerset, and that is the Southpaw J.P. Sears, who has worked exclusively out of the bullpen so far for the Patriots this season. However, uh, two separate appearances for Sears in which he's gone at least four innings, including his last timeout, which was a week ago, last Tuesday against New Hampshire. He tossed four and two-thirds innings of relief. He does have some starting experience in his career dating back to season seasons preceding his time in Somerset. Uh, but what can we expect out of seeing J.P. Sears shifting into the uh, starting rotation, and what does that really mean for this Patriots team? Well, it'll be interesting here uh, in what we see. Don't know what kind of length we'll get out of Sears, and you know, will he be acting as a true starter? Is this maybe more of a bullpen day like we saw the Fisher Cats have? Or are they going to get a couple innings out of him and maybe turn to somebody we've seen in that starting role before? We're not quite sure. We will see uh, the fastball slider and change from Sears. He's been so good for Somerset uh, so far, especially as we've mentioned a couple times now, in that extended role. But um, who knows? Does this open up a door for, you know, maybe six in that rotation for Somerset that we've only seen with five uh, so far? We're not really sure, but uh, for Sears, it will be his uh, fifth appearance and first start through four. He's got a 2-0 record and a 3-8-6 ERA. He's been pretty solid for Somerset. Yeah, normally this would be the spot in the rotation for Jansen Junk. And if we were to have played this past Sunday, it would have been Sears as the starting pitcher on that Sunday instead of Junk. Now, you know, we had a, a brief little conversation with Julio Mascara, and it seems as though Junk and Sears might be tied together in sort of a piggyback kind of role where we could see Junk uh, after Sears and uh, the tentative probables right now for the series has Jansen Junk as the starting pitcher on a Sunday. So, you know, maybe this is a situation where the Yankees kind of want to see as an organization what Sears has as a starter at the same time, what Junk can do out of the bullpen. And, and we'll see how that shapes up for the Patriots moving forward. Yeah, and... You know, for Jansen Junk, he has done everything you could have possibly asked for him as a starter. Through four starts, while he does not uh, hasn't qualified for a decision, he's got an ERA under one. I mean, one of the top ERAs on uh, the entire pitching staff. So we'll see kind of where this uh, experiment, I guess you could call it, brings us to and, and what the future holds. But 
right now a couple question marks. All told, though, both of these pitchers have been really terrific for Somerset. Oh, well, you know, it's it's interesting also with Junk. We know that he was uh, really excited to sort of have the shackles taken off a little bit and extend himself as a starting pitcher. And, you know, now at least for today, and it looks like it'll it'll change around again on Sunday, but it looks like Jansen Junk will at least get a taste of uh, coming out of the bullpen for the Patriots. On the other side, uh, two names that are back into the lineups, sort of speak, for the Patriots, Diego Castillo and Jason Lopez. Both of them were on the injured list uh, for a little over the originally designated seven-day period, uh, but both Castillo and Lopez making appearances with the team in Saturday's doubleheader, uh, so they are once again available moving forward. You know, and and looking at the contributions that both of those players can make, where do you see them fitting into this team moving forward? Well, I think Diego Castillo will probably insert himself back into the lineup pretty regularly, uh, like we saw him before he uh, went down in that uh, on with the injury. Um, so I do expect that. And, you know, even looking at game two on Saturday night, he got right back into the swing of things. One for two. He worked a pair of walks that we've seen him do so much. No strikeouts. That's nothing new for Castillo. So I think we'll probably see that, especially with Oswaldo Cabrera gone for the time being, uh, playing in the Olympic qualifiers with Team Venezuela. So Castillo is probably solidified. I'm not 100% sure with Jason Lopez. We've seen him um, really deliver defensively uh, for the Patriots, although I think as of right now, Donnie Sands will probably take the brunt of the work behind the plate. Oh, you mentioned Oswaldo Cabrera away from the team right now with the Olympic qualifiers for Team Venezuela. Also a relief pitcher away from the team from the uh, Patriots, Kevin Gadea. Uh, He's pitching with Team Nicaragua. Uh, But... If the Patriots are down one man in the bullpen, that's not too big of a deal. We already have talked a lot about Zach Britton. Uh, It is anticipated that Britton is going to continue to make rehab appearances this week. Um, Our thought process and what we had heard is that there's a chance that he can pitch tonight, which is Tuesday night, and then again on Thursday and possibly on Saturday. Uh, He was the starting pitcher in his first rehab assignment last Saturday, uh, but he might be coming out of the bullpen uh, this week. We'll, we'll see how that all shapes out. But another exciting week of Somerset Patriots baseball planned as they take on the Reading Fight and Phils. It's a matchup between the first place team of the Northeast Division of the AA Northeast League and the last place team. First pitch for Game 1, 7.05 p.m. tonight. Tickets are still available. 100% seating capacity here at the ballpark. So make sure that you go to SomersetPatriots.com and get your tickets to see this team play this upcoming week. TD Bank is changing the game with curbside debit card replacement. Whether your debit card was lost in the couch or chewed up by your dog, they've got you covered. Just order a new debit card through the TD Bank app. Then you can walk, bike, or drive up to your nearby TD Bank to score your new card. Now that's the MVP treatment. TD Bank, proud sponsor of the Somerset Patriots. Member FDIC, TD Bank NA. Curbside pickup is only available for personal debit card replacements. In uncertain times, you need someone who has your back. That's why Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey health plans have the benefits you need. Telemedicine, so you can see a doctor anytime, anywhere. Mental health professionals available 24-7. Virtual ID cards and more on your phone. We'll help you find the plan that covers it all. Because everyone should feel like someone has their back. Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey is here when you need us most. Now and always. 
And welcome back to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. Of course, a lot going on with the Somerset Patriots. We've already covered their last week and the upcoming series against Reading. But let's take a look around the rest of the New York Yankees organization with some reports from the team's other minor league affiliates. With this look at the Tampa Tarpons, I'm Joe Vasile. Tampa took on the Dunedin Blue Jays this week, and for the Tarpons, it was a good week. They won three, lost two, including splitting a doubleheader on Wednesday. But the thing for the Tarpons all season long that continued this week was offensive proficiency. Specifically this week, Austin Wells really stepped up and had a strong week for the Tampa Tarpons, including a three-hit game on Friday night in a win for Tampa. It's an 11 a.m. first pitch to wrap up the series between Dunedin and Tampa as the Tarpons have a 16-7 record, first in the low-A Southeast-West Division, and one of the best records in all of minor league baseball. It's one of the reasons why the Yankees have the best organizational record in minor league baseball as well. With this look at the Tampa Tarpons, I'm Joe Vasile. Hi everyone, this is Rob Adams and this is your Renegades Recap. The Hudson Valley Renegades opened a six-game set with the Jersey Shore Blue Claws on Tuesday night at Dutchess Stadium. Hudson Valley used the long ball, first from James Nelson. Then Kyle McDonald made us hungry. A swing and a high fly ball down the left field line, giving it a look. Stoby, it's near the fence, that ball is gone! off the bat, but I couldn't tell, so we had to just make sure. A little oppo taco for Kyle McDonald. Johnny Brito pitched five strong innings to pick up a 3-2 win. On Wednesday, it felt like smooth sailing before the claws, well, clawed back. One strike from victory, Bryson Stott lined a double to tie the score. In the 10th inning, Nate Fosnock hit a grand slam and Jersey Shore floated to a 6-3 victory. The Gades opened Thursday with a seven-run first inning and survived the Highland Ortiz show. As the Phillies phenom hit a grand slam, a solo shot, and drove in six. Hudson Valley won the contest 11-8 as Oswald Peraza had five hits. The rain dampened the spirits on Friday, so we played two on Saturday. In the opener, Ken Waldachuk and Zach Green pitched a one-hitter over seven while striking out 14 as the Gades won 2-0. In the nightcap, Stott made his presence known again, homering on the first pitch of the seventh to tie the game. But Peraza opened the bottom of the frame with a hustling double, and Eric Wagman brought him home with a base hit for a 4-3 victory. The baller brings it home, and a line drive up the middle, base hit! Peraza touches home, Wagaman at first, and the Renegades have a three-game winning streak. They sweep the doubleheader on an RBI single by Eric Wagaman. The Gades go to Wilmington and Brooklyn over the next two weeks. That's your Renegades recap. I'm Rob Adams. With this look at the Rail Riders, I'm Adam Marco. Heading into play on Sunday, Scranton Wilkesbury is 10 games over 500 at 16-6. and six. Rail Riders are hosting the Buffalo Bisons this week at PNC Field and have taken three out of four games so far with a rainout and one game left to go. On Wednesday, the Rail Riders had a game suspended after three innings, trailing 2-0. When play resumed on Thursday, Hoy Park hit his first AAA home run, ultimately helping the Rail Riders onto a 4-2 win. Three balls, two strikes, one down, runner at third. Park down the right field line. This is gone! Into the railhouse for Hoy Park, his first triple-A home run. And the Rail Riders now lead it 4-2. to 
Park hit the home run off the Blue Jays' top prospect and one of the best in all of minor league baseball, Nate Pearson. I think it was a two outs, right? Yeah, I was trying to like, okay, let's get let's get RBI. We're like uh, looking for a good pitcher to hit. But like, yeah, it was kind of lucky though. So yeah, three two and then right down middle. It was ninety eight, but like, yeah, be ready to hit. It's good happen. On Saturday, Park hit his second AAA home run. All Geyer winds, the 3-2 pitch. Park swings and drives this one in the air to right field toward the railhouse. If it's fair, it's gone, and it is fair. Home run, Hoy Park. That plus this blast from Trey Ambergie helping the Rail Riders pick up a 3-2 win on Saturday. The 2-0 pitch. Ambergie smokes one out to left field. This is deep and gone. Christian Colon watches it fly into the bullpen, and the Rail Riders have hit two home runs in the inning and take a 3-2 lead over Buffalo. With this look at the Rail Riders, I'm Adam Marco. Well, that's all we got this week. Brandon, you know, we're excited to see the team back in action for the second half of their longest homestand of the 2021 season. Uh, You know, they're going up against a team that they should have some success against. Just big picture quickly, what are you looking for this week? I'm looking for some wins, especially as we kind of turn the page here going into June. Can't believe it's June already. But uh, competition picking up and keep in mind, no playoffs slated as of right now. So best overall record is going to win a championship. Somerset needs to win as many games as they can, especially against teams that have struggled to start. Well, the Patriots are in first place in the Northeast Division entering today. Uh, the Reading fight and fills 4-20 and on the season, so certainly an opportunity for the Patriots to add upon their division best record uh, going into this week. That'll do it for this week's episode. A reminder that the TD Bank Ballpark is back to 100% seating capacity. You can get your tickets online at somersetpatriots.com. We'll be back to our regularly scheduled time of podcasts next week, airing live on the Voice of Central Jersey, 1450 WCTC, Monday nights at 7, and then available Tuesday mornings online uh, on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, uh, somersetpatriots.com, and all of those stops. So we'll be back with you again next week, but uh, for the time being, enjoy this week of Somerset Patriots baseball. Thank you for listening to the Patriots and Pinstripes podcast. Each episode is aired on the Voice of Central Jersey, 1450 WCTC, and WCTCAM.com with online versions made available on podcast streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Please consider giving us a five-star rating if you enjoyed the show. The Patriots and Pinstripes podcast is written, hosted, and edited by me, Mark Schwartz. It is produced by Jack Myatt, Ginny Ott, and the entire team at 1450 WCTC.